Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, January 12th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's playoff time for the Chiefs, and maybe that's something we take for granted these days. After all, this is the franchise's sixth straight postseason appearance. They carry the title of Super Bowl champion, and they're the favorite to win it all again this year. These are heady times in Kansas City. But let's not forget where the Chiefs have been. On today's show, we have enticed the perfect guest to share thoughts on the current and past Chiefs. Author Michael McCambridge is as well-versed in all things Chiefs as a person can be. He grew up a Chiefs fan here, worked for a couple years at Arrowhead Stadium, and knows the history of the organization about as well as anyone. Maybe that's because he wrote Lamar Hunt's biography. McCambridge's other works include America's Game, the epic story of how pro football captured a nation, and the biography of four-time Super Bowl-winning coach Chuck Knoll. Star columnist Vahe Gregorian and I were delighted to chat with McCambridge on this Chiefs team that set the franchise record for regular season victories and how it might stack up with other great Chiefs teams. So let's get going with Michael McCambridge and Vahe Gregorian. All right, Michael and Vahe, I bragged on you both in the intro, so we're just going to get right into some Chiefs talk. And, um, Michael, the last time we had you on the show, um, you didn't sound great, and that was completely our fault. <laughs> you, you, you were, you, what you said was great, we just didn't record it worth a damn. So uh, let's, let's hear you. I just want to make sure you're, you're going to sound okay this time. Present and accounted for. Perfect. Glad to be here. That's great. Well, thanks so much for doing this. And uh, I can't think of anyone who can bring more knowledge of Chiefs past and present than you. And before we get too, uh, too deep into what, we, uh, what, what I want to talk about, let's get your background and what, uh, what, when did your Chiefs fandom commence? I moved to Kansas City uh, when I was eight years old in the summer of 71, but I had already been a Chiefs fan for a few years by then. I can remember watching Super Bowl IV um, in my mother and stepfather's living room in Franklin, Nebraska on January 11, 1970, which is 51 years ago to the day that we're having this conversation. And I was so fired up about that game. I, I was wearing shoulder pads and I believe a helmet. <laughs> um, so I have that vivid memory. Um, and we moved to Kansas City in 71 and I, I was just working on another uh, writing assignment today and was recalling that, that I had attended the first football game ever played at Arrowhead um, against the Cardinals in the preseason of 1972. So I graduated in 81, but have come back to Kansas City often since then. My mother no longer lives in Kansas City, but um, in a real sense, when I go back, the Harry S. Truman Sports Complex feels a lot like home. So were you more more Chiefs than Royals uh, as, as a youngster or, or equally into both? Um, well, it was, it was really hard to be deep into the chiefs in the mid seventies for <laughs> yeah. obvious reasons you're aware of. Um, but I, I would say that football was my first love, but also, you know, went to a lot of baseball games, a lot of Royals games and, um, you know, to grow up in the late seventies in Kansas city, that was a time that was defined by, um, the Royals quest to topple, topple the evil empire. Um, which was finally done in, in the 1980 playoffs. So um, there were a lot more baseball memories from my high school years 
than football memories. Although I did work for a couple of seasons um, at Arrowhead um, in a polyester leisure suit, um, nominally working crowd control, which where I was and, and my stature at the time usually meant just calling for backup if there was a, if there was a fist fight in section 328 which there often was back then <laughs> yeah. it, it occurred to me that the farther you got away from the field uh hence oh, yeah. 328 you were you're more likely to see some uh, some fisticuffs going on I, I feel the need to chime in here with my own background in security work <laughs> please do um, as part of the uh spectaguard uh group in philadelphia that actually worked at the Philadelphia Stars games uh, as, as the team managed and run by Carl Peterson. But more to the point, uh, the motto of Spectaguard was deter and detect. <laughs> <laughs> so backup was was really the, the thing. <laughs> All right. So before we get moving, I, I'll share my uh, my stadium employment story. When I, was a, when I was 13 and 14, I sold sodas at North Carolina State football games, just going up and down the stands, you know, Ice cold Coca Cola, ice cold. So, so for like fifty cents, I'd sell a Coca Cola, and then the guy would buy one and then pour half of it out and pours bourbon in it. So it was, uh, it was like, wow, is that what, that's what people do with 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 Coca Cola. So, <laughs> so anyway, all right, on yeah. on to the business at hand. The Chiefs head into the divisional round on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns of all teams, the Cleveland Browns, and. Uh, this is not the first time that the Chiefs enter the playoffs with the best record, not just in the AFC. They're the top seed, of course, in the AFC, but in the NFL. They were 14-2. and two. Packers were 13-3. and three. Chiefs ended up with the best record in the NFL. By my count, this is the sixth time in, in history of the AFL and the NFL that the Chiefs had or matched uh, for the best record in professional football did not always work out well for the Chiefs. It did early on, but not always uh, well for the Chiefs. So, Michael, if you can take us down memory lane a little bit, especially uh, in in the 60s, uh, those years of of Chiefs uh, finishing with the best record in the AFL, those did work out for for, for Kansas City. Well, I also think we need to remember that um, the playoff seeding system was not nearly as sophisticated. And so in both 1962 as the Dallas Texans and 1966 um, as the Chiefs, they had the best record in the AFL, but still had to play the AFL championship game on the road. In 71, they tied the Dolphins for the best record in the AFC. But because the playoffs then were in a rotation system, the wildcard team that year, the Colts, got to play the division winner with the worst record, the nine and five Cleveland Browns, while the Chiefs and Dolphins staged their double overtime epic. So the the seeding system that we all know and are comfortable with developed after that year and after the year a year later in 72, when the Dolphins were undefeated, but had to go on the road for the AFC championship game to Pittsburgh. Those two years, I think, were, were the beginning of a change in the consensus and a feeling that home field advantage was something you earned. And by the end of the seventies, certainly by the time the chiefs were relevant again, that that was the system. So then you've got 95 with the inexplicable loss to the Indianapolis Colts 
about which I think we all agree no more need be said. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> that, that is one of the coldest times I've ever been, uh, coldest experiences I've ever had. And, and uh, I think it was after that game that I, I realized, I internalized deeply, you need to bring cardboard with you into the stadium on cold days. <laughs> or your feet are just going to be ice blocks, which is what mine felt like. Um, then in 97, uh, of course, the, the way the playoff system worked out, the Chiefs' divisional round opponent was the Denver Broncos, who had the second best record in the AFC because you, you, know, you, you played the wild card that survived. They were the lowest remaining seed, even though they were 12-4 um, and, and, the, and the Chiefs were 13-3 and three that year. Um, so it, it didn't work out well. Neither time. Um, 0-1 for the Chiefs in the playoffs in those years. And if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but Bono was the 95 quarterback. Gerback was the 97 quarterback. And um, and then – so that was those were the only two years that the Chiefs were a – no, a, a, no well, obviously not the only two years they were number one seed because they were number one seed in 2018 and won the first playoff game, lost the AFC championship game, of course, to the, to the New England Patriots. So – Michael, is there a is there a different sense about this team, this season, this fourteen and two best record in in franchise history edition of the Chiefs? I'm not. I, I guess it's silly to try to compare to how we thought we felt, you know, in '97 uh, or '95 and and uh, back in the '60s. But I, I'm I'm trying to get a sense of uh, you know of just how confident people who know the Chiefs well are in this team as, as it goes forward in the playoffs? What, what, what would you say your confidence level with this team is? Well, I'm, I'm from the Midwest, so I'm not one to talk a lot of smack. Um, but I feel more confident than I did when Steve Bono was the <laughs> Chiefs quarterback. And I feel more confident than I did when Elvis Gerback was the Chiefs quarterback. I think the thing – you know, we, we've touched on this in, in discussions before, and Vahe and I have talked about this, and, and you guys and Sam have written about it. All those decades of playoff heartbreak, that was not something that Patrick Mahomes brought to the table. That was not part of, of his history. That was part of our history, the fans, the writers, the observers. Um, and so I think that the, the biggest difference now is this is probably the first time that the Chiefs have consistently and arguably had the best quarterback in pro football. And so that changes things. And this team is particularly well coached, particularly deep at the skill positions. And as you guys have written about, has shown a, a great deal of character um, in the last couple of seasons. And so I think that speaking for a lot of fans going into those those games in 95 and 97 and 03 when the Chiefs had the bye but not the top seed. Right. We were not able to see the the Indianapolis Colts punter all day. <laughs> um, those those games were, I think, the, the dominant feeling I had going into those games was fear. Um, and so it feels different this year, right, because um, the Chiefs have proved they are – they can play with anybody. It's been – almost forever since the Chiefs have been blown out of a game. Um, 
you know, if you count that Chargers loss in week 17 with the junior varsity, that's the worst loss they've had since uh, Mahomes has been a starting quarterback for the team. Um, so I think that 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 is the big difference. Right. I, I think that Vahe and I, and I, know, I know we've talked about this, that there's a, uh, as you said, there, there is a, a pre-Mahomes and a post-Mahomes history with, with the Chiefs. And uh, maybe maybe it's more fair, and, and certainly speaking to someone who knows the Chiefs' history as well as you do, Michael, that uh, we should probably say um, a, a post-Dawson pre-Mahomes history right. with the Chiefs. And and then um, and then post uh, and then where we are now currently, I was watching the the Brown Steelers game and following it on Twitter, and of course the Browns got off to that incredible start, right? Twenty eight to nothing, thirty five ten at halftime. And then they kind of lightened up a little bit in the third quarter, and then Ben Roethlisberger got going. Uh, the Steelers defense made a couple of stops, and it was amazing to see the reaction from Browns fans on Twitter. Um, here we go again. I can't see. I can't watch. I can't keep in mind the lead never got below. I think eleven, right for the for the Browns. But their fans were just just beside themselves in fear and concern and just anger. All the emotions that I think Chiefs fans felt about their team in the playoffs until I don't know. Maybe maybe it took Mahomes beating the Colts, right, and uh, and almost beating the Patriots in the twenty eighteen championship game to. Um, to eradicate those those concerns, but boy, Browns fans had it uh, um, in abundance on on uh, Sunday night. I'd go even a step further. I think that I don't know that all the demons were exercised by beating the Colts. I think um, that Texans game was was the evidence that something had changed. When you can come back from twenty four to nothing down and win going away. Um, that to me was the game that felt different because it also sort of um, it got beyond the the heartbreak of losing the coin flip and the offsides penalty and and all the other elements that led to the heartbreaking loss in the 2018 AFC Championship game. Michael, one thing I've always wondered, and I think I I saw it this way at the time, but it was just you know a supposition really. Did you? Uh, after that Patriots game, did you feel like that was just another in the hideous pile of postseason things that reinforced that feeling? Or did you I, – I felt like it was still the start of something. I, I, I can honestly say I felt that at that point, that it, it was a signal of better days ahead. But, I, but, but I, I wouldn't know what it was like to be enduring that for 50 years either. Um, well, it was definitely – you know, I, I think we talked about it at the time. It was definitely hopeful, but at the same time, you you had to start you had to start wondering how many times a team could get home field advantage in the playoffs, and how many times a team could get a bye and still not get to the Super Bowl. Um, and last year, of course, was was fifty years since they'd been to the Super Bowl, and I think that there was certainly some feeling among the Arrowhead faithful in the first quarter of that Texans game that here we go again. But after that, and here's the thing, after that, I I was at the AFC championship game and even being down 10, nothing and 17 to seven, I didn't have the same feeling of dread that I'd had because, you know, we, we now have the magic unicorn quarterback 
and we saw what he could do, and he did it again. Same thing with the 49ers uh, in the Super Bowl. I, I didn't feel as uh, the sense of dread that I, that I had felt before that Texans game. I can, makes sense. I, I can remember feeling after the AFC title game that the Chiefs lost and didn't get a chance to win. And that I think that made it maybe more palatable to Chiefs fans that uh, it, it was certainly the, you know, the D Ford offsides, the, um, and then the coin flip, right? It was, uh, it, two things. If, if, um, if the Chiefs win the coin flip, they're going to win the game. If D Ford's not offsides, Chiefs are going to get the ball and, and have a 99% chance of, of, of winning that game. I, I, I just, my sense was, and, and boy, Vahe and I, Vahe, you and I have talked about this. There was this, there was almost a, 2014 Royals comparison to be made with the 2018 yeah. Chiefs that uh, really un, uh, unfulfilled destiny of, of, of a team that uh, it could have won. It was, it was good enough to win it all, but came up just short. I think we can all maybe, maybe this is um, uh, folly thinking, but Chiefs had lost to the Rams in that, you know, wild Monday night football game during the regular season that year. I thought they would have taken care of the Rams in the Super Bowl. Easy to say, you know, and, and, uh, no basis in anything. I'm sure Rams fans would totally disagree with that. But Chiefs beat the Patriots that night, and I, I think they're the we're looking at you know perhaps a, a team that's already won two Super Bowls. Right. Agreed. It's funny, uh, Blair. As we speak, I, I actually the before we started this, the last thing I had called up on my screen was for some research I was doing. It was a a headline about uh, the resemblance between the 2019 2019 Chiefs and the uh, 2015 Royals. Uh, current vibe reminiscent of chemistry that buoyed KC Royals to magic run. And part of that, of course, the, the, all these parallels are a little forced, but um, it, it was definitely what you just said. Sort of part of that was kind of that preamble. Yeah, I've written that too. Boy, we're going to feed off of that for, for a long time, I believe. Yeah. It's just <laughs> just how we roll. Hey, let, let's take a quick break, and, and we'll be back with Michael McCambridge and Vahe Gregorian. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with Michael McCambridge and Vahe Gregorian. We're talking Chiefs, playoff week, divisional round. Cleveland Browns are the opponent on on Sunday, 2 p.m., or as Sam McDowell reminded me, 2.05 p.m. Better get that right. 2.05 p.m. Sunday kickoff at Arrowhead Stadium. There will be, um, I don't know, 16,000, 17,000 fans in the, in the building. Uh, I don't know. What do, we, what do we make of the Chiefs going 8-0 and on the road and 6-2 and at home? I guess we have to throw one of those out, right, with um, uh, the, the home finale was against the Chargers and the starters didn't play. But um, but there is. I mean, there, there are two losses that come at Arrowhead. Again, d- does Patrick Mahomes change everything, just even even silly things like this? Well, I think 
I think what we what we know that the the data that is clear is the Chiefs are just as good on the road as they are at home, but you'd still rather be at home. And Andy Reid has an excellent track record coming off a of bye week. I know there's been I know there's been a lot of talk about the Chiefs playing it really close to the edge, seven straight victories by a touchdown or less. But when I look at this season, I think I think the consensus four best teams that the Chiefs have played this year are the Ravens, the Bills, the Buccaneers, and the Saints. And when I look back at those games, the thing that the one common theme that runs through those four games is not just that the Chiefs won all four of those games, but they had a stretch in each of those games where they totally dominated the other team. I mean, they got down to Baltimore three to nothing and scored 27 of the next 34 points. Buffalo scored to go up three to nothing in, in that game. And, the Chiefs wound up 23 of the next 30 points. Same thing with Tampa Bay. They jump out to a 17 to nothing lead. And then the Buccaneers start to rally. And by the end of the third quarter, it's 27 to 10. And the Saints, even though that was a, a very tough game, we saw almost, almost like a basketball game between two fast break teams, you know, where they go on runs. The Chiefs scored the first 14 points. And then you'll recall the Saints came back and, and took a short lead, 15 to 14. And then the Chiefs immediately responded with, with two touchdowns. And when the Saints got back in range, that's when that, uh, that last drive with the, with the field goal to put it away. So I do think one of the points that needs to be made about this Chiefs team, and this is probably true of any real quality championship team, is they do rise to the occasion against better opponents. And so I think that's um, that's worth noting going into this unknown of what it's going to be like playing a very good Browns team. I love that observation. You know, of of, of the 240 minutes in those four games, what did they they, they led for? What 225 of them? I mean, it's um, uh, and not only that, all of them were on the road, and they were against Josh Jackson, Josh Allen. Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Um, so all four teams remaining in the playoffs, and in fact, they those teams meet each other this week, right? Uh, Ravens, Bills, and 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 Bucks and Saints. You're absolutely right, Michael. They 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 played their best football against the best team. So while I'm looking at you know looking for nits to pick against how they performed against the Panthers and the Falcons and the Broncos and 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 others, they really did have just uh, moments of excellence during the game games against the, the 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 very best that they they played this year it's um it's uh, i think that's what you want <laughs> if you're pulling for a team i think that's what you want to see from your team you don't want to play your best game of the year against the jets or the falcons <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> right. I'll, I'll have to look up Mahomes' stats in those games but um I, you know he was the winning pitcher in all four of them and, right. and I know, you know, in the Ravens, he was throwing touchdown passes to Anthony Sherman and, and Eric Fisher and, um, you know, and, and just had some, you know, he just had some great numbers in, in, in those games. So who knows? Um, and 
So that, that so that I, I take off the table the question I was going to ask about uh, concerns because of the way the Chiefs finished the regular season. The Week 17 game against the Chargers, notwithstanding, um, you know they didn't play their best ball at the end. Mahomes' stats were different. I think Sam Mellinger has pointed out that defenses played the the Chiefs a little differently. The Falcons deserve a lot of credit for the way they came into Arrowhead Stadium with absolutely nothing to play for, and coach had already been fired. And the, and the Falcons gave the Chiefs all they wanted in, in that game. And, and um, you know, I, I think maybe the uh, at that point, so that's week 16, week 17, they rest the starters. And um, and so the, I, I, I don't know. The national impression seems to be that the Chiefs are still the Super Bowl favorite. They are the, the betting favorite everywhere. They would be favored against any NFC team if, in, in the Super Bowl. But maybe it was tempered a little bit by the way that the Chiefs and, and Mahomes played in the last few weeks of the season. Do you, do you, do you buy that? I do. But I, I also think um, from the standpoint of a Chiefs fan, very happy about Cleveland upsetting Pittsburgh. Um, the two teams that I'm most concerned about in the AFC are the Bills and the Ravens. And without that Cleveland upset, the Chiefs would have been looking at a situation where they had to beat both the Bills and the Ravens twice in the same season to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, Because they beat them both in the regular season, they would have had to play the Ravens this week. And then if they won that game, likely play the Bills for the AFC Championship. So um, no disrespect to Cleveland, which, as Sam Mellinger has pointed out, could, could beat the Chiefs. But I am glad that that Buffalo and Baltimore are going to be beating up each other this weekend, so we don't have to play both of those teams back to back. Right. I don't think it's um, uh, it's lost it's lost that the Chiefs ended up beating two teams in the AFC playoffs last year that had defeated them during the regular season in right. in the Texans and the um, and the Titans. Uh, exactly. But you know, I also believe that this team is I don't know maybe I'll go ahead and say it I, I think they're destined for for greatness this year I, I think the whole offseason was about this team's ability to to win a second straight Super Bowl the 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 moves that were made the the, the free agent signings look there were some unexpected turns twists and turns Damian Williams Laurent Duvernay Tardif op- opting out the Lucas Niang the, the the draft pick the offensive lineman draft pick who, who opted out as well Injuries, like everybody goes through, but um, but this was a a team that, I, I, and I love the way they approached the off season. They they did it thinking that they got the they got the goods to to do this again. Now who who knows you know how, who knows how it's going to end up. They could lose on Sunday and it'll all be for naught. But but so far it's worked, right? They they ended up with the best record in franchise history with fourteen regular season victories, and um, and and uh, they've they've got. The best players, they've got some of the best players at their positions in the NFL and probably more of those than anybody else left in the, uh, in the playoff. Well, more than anybody in the NFL this year, when you, when you look at Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill and Tyron Matthew and, and a couple others, is, you know, in the top three anyway of, of the players at their position. And I just think that gives them uh, the, uh, an advantage uh, against whoever they play. Um, so if you had to break – go ahead, Michael. And one of the best coaches, and also I think you know you can't stress enough. They should go into that Browns game as healthy as they've been, 
in more than a month. And probably Mitchell Schwartz isn't coming back, but you know, you could have Clyde Edwards Hilaire back. Uh, you know, you guys have, have returned to this topic um, a couple of times on the uh, on the Sports Beat podcast, but a healthy Frank Clark is a completely different player than an injured, walking, wounded Frank Clark. And uh, you know, I admire his resolve to to play when he's dinged up and, and banged up, but but when he's got that extra gear, he is really a difficult player to defend, especially when you've got Chris Jones also in there that needs to be accounted for. And I think uh, Sam McDowell pointed this out in, in, in Monday's podcast. The Browns had a great one-two rushing combination with Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon, but now Vernon's on the shelf. And so if, if Frank Clark and Chris Jones are both good to go, that, that could make a big difference. Yeah, getting playoff Frank Clark, uh, I'll take that every time. I will excuse whatever numbers he put up in the regular season if we get the postseason Frank Clark, who not only got a sack, I think, in each of the playoff games last year, but was just outstanding at getting pressure on the quarterback in, in each each round uh, of the way. So, um, well, Michael, it's been great having you on. I, I really enjoyed it, and um, we'll have to do this more than once a year uh, to, to get your chief expertise. Good talking with you guys, and let me just say something I've tweeted before. It's it is wonderful being a Chiefs fan with the team that you guys have at the Star covering this game, and I am just grateful that um, we feel a step closer to this team because of the way you guys do your job. So I want to thank you for all the hard work. Well, thank you, Michael. Appreciate you saying that, Vahe. Good talking to you again, and uh, we will do this again soon. We'll have a. Uh, a sports beat case, a sports beat live coming up on Thursday, 9:30 a.m. Be sure to tune into that. So for Michael and Vahe, um, so long, and we'll talk to you again soon. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff and everyone who helps make Sports Beat KC happen. Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Links to Chief Stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you, especially for those who want to deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage now that playoff time is here. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, send me an email at bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and we will get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City, and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode. Yeah.